1: It's time once again for another look into God's infallible book, and we welcome you to another edition of The Riches of Grace. This program is brought to you by Christian people that believe the Bible to be the Word of God and who appreciate its power and authority. My name is Richard Jordan. I'm the uh, one who has the privilege of being your host and Bible teacher each week here as we meet together. Uh, for our time of study together, we're happy you've joined us, and we trust that our time together will prove a rich blessing and help to you in understanding God's Word. Our goal, uh, as we meet each week, is to help you to understand and enjoy the Bible so that God's Word uh, can go to work in your life. Your faith can rest on in an intelligent understanding of God's Word to you. And that 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 allows the Holy Spirit to release the power that releases the power of the of the the excellency, the power of God's word. The Spirit of God can take that and put it to work in your life. First Thessalonians two thirteen says that it, it, the word of God works effectually in you that believe. And our goal here is uh, we, don't, we don't have something for you to join. We're not here trying to promote a, a denomination or a philosophy or an organization. We just want to exalt a person, the Lord Jesus Christ, out of a book, the Bible. And, and, and to see that information put out, exalt the Lord Jesus Christ in a way out of his word that you can understand what his word is. And you can trust his word uh, because you understand it. And then you'll see that it works effectually in your life for God's glory and your good. You know, I recognize that um, this weekend is what we call Labor Day weekend. It's that last three-day weekend of the year in our national calendar before the the school grind and the and the fall starts and the the winter season. And you know, from Memorial Day to Labor Day, you sort of have summer. And Labor Day comes, and well, you got to put away your white shoes and your white purses and your white belts and all the rest, and you know, your summer attire. And uh, I know people don't do that much anymore, but if you're, you know, there was a generation that did that. And uh, from Labor Day to May, well, then it's it's labor. <laughs> you're back into the grindstone again. And there's something special about Labor Day. You know, Labor Day is, uh, and I know it's a political uh, holiday where we recognize and appreciate, honor, work, and, and workers. And that's certainly something the Bible does, by the way. Uh, the Apostle Paul in Second Thessalonians chapter three actually says, If a man doesn't work, don't let him eat. The Bible is, is, um, is very honorable toward work and workers. And um, you remember in Ephesians chapter four, when the Apostle Paul is, is talking to the Ephesians about their conduct, he said, Let him that stole steal no more. But rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good. Why? That he may have to give to him that needeth. Now, boy, that's a, that's a fascinating verse. How do, you, how do you get over being a thief? How do you reform a thief? Well, if he, you let him that stole steal no more. Well, that's put off the stealing, trying to get something for nothing. But that's not how, you, you're just an unemployed thief if that's all you do. Let him that stole steal no more. Well, what's he to do? He's put something on. But rather, let him labor, working with his hands, the thing which is good. Let him go out and produce some personal work, some personal uh, labor. You see, your your job is a tool to help you serve the Lord. Working, working out which is good. The purpose being that he may have to give to him that needeth not. Not, not that he's going to work just to consume things. You know the verse in Timothy where Paul says, "They that will be rich fall into many uh, uh, hurtful." Uh, snares uh, that, that that desire for gain. You see, it's important to understand the labor in the Bible is, is not for things that perish, riches. Uh, they that will be rich, you know, you got you got going to fall into many temptation and a snare and into foolish and hurtful lust, which drown men in perdition. Paul says. Paul says in First Timothy six, charge them that are rich. In this world, that they be not high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches. You remember the Lord Jesus told his disciples that a man's life consists of more more than the things that he possesses. So laboring is not just to be rich and just to have things, just to be able to hoard things, or just to be able to enjoy uh, the, the, uh, uh, the good life, the leisure life, and consume. But part of our labor is so that we can have. That is, we've saved some. We've produced what we need. We've provided for our own household. First Timothy five, he says, if a man doesn't provide for his own house, household, uh, and that's your wife, your children, and and your relatives that are associated with you, in that passage, it's even an aunt. <laughs> uh, I mean, for your for your for your family, uh, and if you don't do that, well, then you're worse than an infidel. You know, many people get up on on on, on Monday morning, Tuesday morning, Wednesday morning, Thursday morning, Friday morning, go to work, and hate their job well, I don't know that maybe you like what you do, maybe you don't like what you do. But you know, whether you like it or you don't like it, your job is a testimony, if you're a believer, your job is a testimony that maintains the integrity of the faith. And Paul says that if a man doesn't provide for his own household, he's denied the faith, and he's worse than an infidel. It's worse than denying the virgin birth of Christ, for example. And uh, that's, that's a strong statement in support of work. And Paul says our labor is is so that we might have, that we might give to those that are in need. You see, we're not just to provide the necessities of life for ourselves. We're to provide a nest egg out of which we can become benefactors to others. We can become people that that are able to benefit others. In the Bible, labor is extremely important. Now, it's it's also important not to labor in vain. Uh, for things that perish, for Richard, for fame, for recognition. Uh, I was struck recently by someone that was complaining that uh, about another about a person who was famous and uh, or infamous uh, <laughs> in the circle where they were, and they're talking about well, you know, they, they, all these people know their name, and nobody's ever going to know my name. And someone said to them, "So you know, no matter how many people know them in the town where they are." There are about 6 billion other people on the face of the earth have never heard their name. It's strange that um, you could, they, they, they do surveys every now and then, and they find that upwards of 10% of the population of our nation at any given time won't know the name of the President of the United States. And you say, how can that be? Well, I'm not real sure how it is because I know his name. Uh, but it happens, and the thing, my point to you is that When you're trying to get famous and everybody know your name, no matter how famous you get, there's always going to be a whole bunch of people on the planet that never heard of you, for whom you are basically irrelevant. So fame is a fleeting kind of a thing. You get your little five minutes and then it's gone. God himself, by the way, observed the very first labor day and that's what I want to talk to you about today uh, is God's labor day. If you go back to the book of Genesis chapter number two, you'll discover that God himself established the very first labor day, the very first day in which labor was honored and appreciated, and recognized um, Genesis chapter 2, you probably have heard these verses before, verse number 1, thus, talking after the six days of, uh, of, of establishing the creation in Genesis 1, the details of which are laid out here, thus the, the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God ended his work which he had made, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had made. And God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it because that it that in it he had rested from all his work which God created and made. Now we, we call that the Sabbath day. The Bible calls that the Sabbath day. The day of rest. And the Sabbath day is a day, a very special day in creation. It was the seventh day. In six days... God has created everything in the universe, established it, ordered it, designed it, laid it out the way he desired it to be created and and, and made. In Genesis uh, Genesis 2, verse 1 to 3, on the seventh day, what God does is he observes what he's done. And he appreciates what he's done. He blesses the seventh day. He rested, and his, his work's finished. Now he's going to enjoy the fruit of his labor. And he said, this seventh day, he blessed it. He, When you bless something, you speak well of it. And he sanctified it. That is, he set it apart for the purpose for which he created it. When he blessed it, he said, this day, this day of my rest, This is, this is what I created this for. This day is when we sit and appreciate and enjoy all that I've done. Now, when he when he rested, by the way, he didn't rest because he was tired. You know that. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 28 talks about um, the everlasting God, the, the, the Jehovah, the, the creator of the ends of the earth. He fainteth not, neither is weary. <laughs> God didn't rest because he was tired. He rested because... He had finished, the verse says, all the labor, the work of creation was done. And when you finish your work, what do you do? You sit down and enjoy the fruit of what you've accomplished. Now, that seventh day where God observed that by the way, God himself observed this day. It is it it, 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 it doesn't appear again in the scripture until the days of, of Noah Noah, listen to me, of Moses uh, you know, the, the kids like to ask you that trick question, uh, how many animals did Moses take onto the ark? And, you know, you're studying, you're thinking, then you realize, you know, it wasn't Moses on the ark, it was Noah. <laughs> so sometimes I misspeak like that when I'm trying to think of something ahead of the time that I say it. The Sabbath doesn't appear again after Genesis chapter 2 until you come to the days of of, of Moses, when Moses delivers Israel out of Egyptian bondage, when the nation Israel is established in the earth as God's nation in the earth. Nehemiah chapter number 9 describes the history of those days. Nehemiah 9 verse number uh, 13, it says, Thou camest down upon Mount Sinai, And spakest unto them from heaven, and gave them right judgments, and true laws, and good statutes, and commandments, and made known unto them thy holy Sabbath, and commanded them precepts, statutes, and laws by the hand of Moses, thy servant. No one between Genesis chapter number 2 in the days of Moses, when God made known unto Israel his, 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 uh, his holy Sabbath through the hand of Moses, no one observed the Sabbath along that time. But when Moses came along, delivers Israel, establishes the nation Israel as his kingdom nation in the earth, remember what he told them in Exodus chapter number 19, that if you keep, me, if you keep my commandments... Uh, and, and they keep my covenant, then you should be a peculiar people unto me, unto me above all the people of the earth. The nation of Israel is God's earthly people. They're his kingdom people in the earth, his chosen earthly nation. And when he, when he established that nation, then he began to give them an education in the issues involved in the Sabbath. Now, when he did that, he he established the Sabbath as an ordinance in Israel, as a commandment in Israel, in what in what we call the Ten Commandments. Uh, actually, one of the Ten Commandments, Exodus chapter twenty, verse number number eight, the uh the the, eight, the fourth commandment there, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work. But in the seventh day you're to rest, and you're to remember the Sabbath day. Now when he told them to remember the Sabbath day, Preacher talk is that, uh, well, you know, just don't forget to take one day a week off. God doesn't want you to burn yourself out. Doesn't want you to get overloaded. Doesn't want you to stress out. God wants you to be sure to take one day a week off. One day out of seven, you need to rest because God knows that you get weary. And That's just preacher talk. It's got nothing to do. Are you listening? It has nothing to do with the Sabbath and the Bible. That has to do with the Sabbath and preacher talk when preachers are talking about something they don't know anything about. So anytime you hear a preacher, or anybody else for that matter, who's been listening to a preacher, say that the Sabbath is to remember, remembering the Sabbath has to do with being sure to take one day a week and rest, and, and don't do any work in it, because you, you just don't want to get overextended in life. That's not why God rested on the Sabbath day. He didn't get weary after seven days, six days of creation. He wasn't weary. Isaiah forty twenty eight says, he doesn't get weary. The Creator doesn't get Well, then why did God rest? Because he was going to enjoy the fruit. His his work was finished. Now he's going to enjoy the fruit of it. God had a, he blessed the Sabbath day and sanctified it. God said, I have a purpose. I created all this stuff for a reason, and today is the day I'm going to enjoy that reason, the fruit of all that work that I did. In other words, if you can understand what rest is, God rested He's enjoying the fruit of creation. He's enjoying accomplishing his purpose in creating heaven and earth and all things. So when Moses tells Israel, remember the Sabbath day, he's not saying, don't forget to take a day off. He's saying, you need to every week take a day off and remember why God created you. Why God created you. Man, Why he created the nation Israel to carry on God's purpose in man. Why he created the earth. What's God doing in the earth, and what's your part in it? That was the idea in creation. Uh, it, it was so that they could uh, enjoy the fruit of what God was doing through them. Now, if you want to know what the rest of God is, when he said, I entered into my rest. Psalm 132. There's a fascinating passage. Um, it's one of the Songs of Degrees uh, of Hezekiah, and it's talking about God's purpose with, with, with David and the covenant that he made with David and the nation Israel through David. And he says to him, for example, Psalm 132, verse number um, 8, Arise, O Lord, into thy rest, thou and the ark of thy strength. Verse 11, the Lord has sworn in in truth unto David. He will not turn from it. Of the fruit of thy body will I set upon thy throne. Verse 13, for the Lord hath chosen Zion. He hath desired it for his habitation. This is my rest forever. Here will I dwell, for I have desired it. Now notice how that passage identifies Jesus for you, what God's rest is. This is my rest, here, in Zion. Will I dwell? For I have desired it. Isaiah forty, verse twenty-two. Isaiah told him, told Israel. He said, "Don't you guys have known this from the very beginning? God, when He created the heaven and stretched out the heavens, and He created the earth, He was creating a, a universe to dwell in." So when that creation was accomplished, you you say, well, wait a minute, I didn't think God dwelt in temples made. No, he doesn't. You know that. But because he is God, he can choose to manifest the glory of his person in a specific way. And that's what creation is about. This is my rest. Here will I dwell, for I have desired it. You see, God, when he created the heaven and the earth, had a purpose. He had a purpose to manifest his glory. And God has this one grand purpose to glorify himself in Jesus Christ. In the in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void. And then he puts, puts a man in the earth. And he tells that man to go out and have dominion over the earth and repopulate the earth, replenish the earth, and have dominion over it and subdue it. There's a rebellion that's taken place in his creation. And he puts man on the earth to go out and reestablish the headship of Jesus Christ in the earth. And that's God's purpose for man. But by the way, in Genesis 1-1, in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. He didn't just create the earth, but He created the heavens. Because God has one grand purpose, to glorify Himself in the Lord Jesus Christ. But the plan involves glory in two spheres. The earthly And the heavenly, the earthly to be accomplished through the agency of the nation Israel. The heavenly to be accomplished through the agency of the church, the body of Christ. That's why there are two agencies. In the Bible, Israel and the body of Christ. That's why there are two methods of revelation about those agencies. One is prophecy. has to do with establishing God's plan and purpose in the earth. The other is what, what Paul calls the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery, which establishes his purpose in the heavenly places. An agency to establish his, the headship of Christ in the government of the heavens. By the way, that's also why there are two different distinct operating systems. One is the operating on, on the law system in Israel's earthly program, and the other the, the system of grace applicable. Paul says, you are not under the law, but under grace. That's what God's accomplishing today. The essence of, of, of Bible Christianity, the essence of the message of the Word of God, is that God has this one grand purpose to glorify himself in Jesus Christ. And that, 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 that plan involves glory in two spheres. In the heavens and in the earth. The earth is fear. He's going to establish the headship of Jesus Christ over planet earth through the instrumentality of a kingdom vested in the nation Israel. In the heavenly places, he'll do it through the church, the body of Christ. And when he gave Israel that Sabbath day, when he formed that nation, brought them out of Egypt and established them as a nation in the earth, he began to educate them about his purpose in creation. Because now he had that nation, that agency, to accomplish his purpose. Now he could come and begin to enjoy the fruit of his labor in the earth through the kingdom vested in the nation Israel. And that's why he gave them the Sabbath day. They were to sit and to remember, not just to take a day off, they were to remember God's purpose in and through them in the earth. Now that's also why, by the way, when you come to Colossians chapter number 2, the Apostle Paul makes a rather startling statement about the the Sabbath day. Colossians 2, verse number 16, Let no man therefore judge you, talking about to the Colossians, members of the body of Christ, in the dispensation of grace that we live in today. Let no man therefore judge you in meat, or in drink, or in respect of a holy day, or of the new moon, or the Sabbath days, which are a shadow of things to come, but the body is of Christ. You see, the, the purpose of the body of Christ is not to establish the headship of Christ in planet earth, but in the heavens. We're blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We're a heavenly people. We've been made, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6 says, uh, that he's raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. The key to understanding what it means to be a laborer together with God today is not by going back to Israel's program and trying to labor with God in establishing his purpose in the earth through the nation Israel, but rather it's to, it's to labor with God according to the purpose that he has in the dispensation of grace in forming the church, the body of Christ. That's what Paul's talking about in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. For we laborers together with God. We we, we work together with God to accomplish His purpose. According to the grace that's given unto me, Paul says, As a wise master builder, I've laid the foundation, and another buildeth thereupon. Let every man take heed how he builds thereupon. For the foundation can no man lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. As we build on the foundation, Paul says, Build on the foundation that I laid. Now, the foundation Paul lays, you, you can't go back to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and find that foundation. You're not going to go to the book of Acts and find that foundation. You're going to find it in the epistles that the Apostle Paul wrote. The Lord Jesus Christ from heaven gave him, to him gave the revelation to him and through him to you and me. And there's our foundation. And that's how you work together with God today. You find the doctrine, the, the foundation God's laid for us today, and you do that. You don't try to be somebody you're not. You don't try to go to be Israel and keep Israel's Sabbath and remember God's purpose in Israel. You need to remember God's purpose for us today. And that doesn't focus in in rites and rituals and, and, and seventh day observances and all the rest. Because, you see, when people try to get you to keep the Sabbath day, it's because they think they're Israel, rather than recognizing who they really are as members of the church, the body of Christ. And it brings confusion into your life. And it brings defeat into your life. Paul says, be a labor together with God. Let it be God's word that works effectually in you that believe. So we celebrate Labor Day. But we, we celebrate more than, than labor. We're celebrating with the Lord, laboring with God. We're, we're, we're celebrating the, the opportunity to be a part of what God's doing today, knowing that when we labor with God, Paul said, My beloved brethren, be strong, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. So, Labor Day, well, you need to have God's Labor Day and let God's Word work through you and give you an appreciation about what God's doing today and your part in it. Can I offer you a free Bible study that will help you with this? I, uh, that uh, raising red hand on the face of the studio clock tells me it's almost time for me to go. Let me offer you a free Bible study that will help you go along with this and understand the the, the broad strokes of this. The the, the Bible study is is entitled, A Panoramic View of the Program of God. Just get a bird's-eye view of everything God's doing out of the Word of God and how you can understand it for yourself. I I recommend searching so you don't take it from me. Panoramic View of the Program of God. I'd be glad to give you this Bible study. I'll even pay for the phone call. Call me here at 888-535-2300. That's a toll free number eight 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 five three five twenty three hundred, and I'll be glad to see that you get a free copy of a panoramic view of the program of God. That number again is eight 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 five three five twenty three hundred. We're certainly glad that uh, you join us each week like this. You know, th- this is—it's a privilege for us to be able to share these things with you. And as, I, as I say to you, week after week, we're not trying to get you to join anything. We're trying—we're trying—not trying to get you to uh, do something for us. We don't have a denomination for you to be a part of. We just want you to, we want to proclaim to you, talk to you about a person, the Lord Jesus Christ, out of a book called the Bible, the King James Bible. And we want God's Word to work effectually in you because you believe it. And you know, one of the joys of our life is the fact that there are there are people in in your area, well, you're listening to this radio program. This program is broadcast on a number of markets around the United States, and In every market where it's broadcast, there is a local group of people who help us put this program on the station who are in agreement. They understand God's word rightly divided. They study each week. They meet together each weekend. They take a King James Bible. They study it rightly divided. And for them, the, the grace life, Christ in you, the hope of glory, is the issue. Not some religion, not some works program, but who God has made us in Christ living in us and through us because our confidence is in God's Word. First Thessalonians 2.13, Paul says that the word, it's the Word of God that works effectually in you that believe. Can I tell you that there are people right in your neighborhood, I say that so you understand, you don't just have to listen to the radio. There are people in your neighborhood that would do you good. If you call us at 888-535-2300, we'll put you in touch with these folks in your area, and you can be a part of a, of a group of people who believe uh, the Bible to be the Word of God, who appreciate its power and authority, who understand how to rightly divide it, and who understand how to make grace, the grace life, the issue in their life. There is a gospel you can believe. There is a Bible you can trust. There is a study you can understand. There is a life you can live, and there is a purpose that you can fulfill. And there are folks right in your area that can help you in, in, in those things. If that's if those things are in, in, important to you, listen, you rob yourself and your family of a spiritual heritage by not being a part of that. 888-535-2300. You call us, and we'll put you in touch with the folks that are in your area. If you're in a place where you can't get out You're housebound, or you don't have the opportunity to go places. Can I tell you that we, on the weekend, on Sundays and Wednesdays, in our ministry, I pastor a a very active church in the Chicagoland area. Um, We put all of our services on the Internet. We webcast them live. We also archive them for future uh, viewing. If you go to our website, graceimpact.org, Graceimpact, one word graceimpact.org, you'll find at 9:30 at 10:45 and 6 pm. on Sunday and 7:30 on Wednesday night, and these are Central Times, uh, you'll find our broadcast available where you can study live with us. If you'd like to, if you need to do it, you know, look at them after we've done them. There'll be links that will put you to places where you can see the archived versions of these studies. Can I tell you that we're trying to make God's Word available? We're trying to put it out there where you can get a hold of it and where it can be real in your life. That's our purpose. And we're happy to spend and be spent to make that possible. 888-535-2300. That's the number to call if you need information. GraceImpact.org is the place to go on the Internet. Join us for our live studies or archive ones. And uh, you can find other information about us and about Grace School of the Bible. If you're interested in being a real in-depth student, of God's Word, go there and look at the information about Grace School of the Bible. It's a unique program. The curriculum is Bible-based, Pauline Wright-Division-based. It's not the standard systematic theologies that you get in, in schools that only produce the confusion that you see about you on every hand. But you can have God's Word as the basis of your faith. GraceImpact.org, 888-535-2300. It's the number to call. Thanks for being with us today. Until next time, Maranatha.